thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Matthew 28, famous text today. Here we go. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, verse 16, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And when Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The title this morning is, It's Our Turn. Can you just say, It's Our Turn? It's Our Turn. Father, we love you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the opportunity to be a radiant church in Kansas City in 2021, taking the good news of the gospel to our city, to our nation, and to our world. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would help us, that you would give us strength. I I pray for people who feel weary and tired. I pray, Lord God, that they would be renewed by God himself. I pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be life and joy in following Jesus. Thank you for what you're gonna do. We give you everything. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, famous speech. See if you can tell me who said it. We were built for moments like this. When the ball comes your way, you make a play. Play together, play fast, let's dominate. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, pre-game speech against against Houston Texans when they won 51-31, just telling you. I know know you thought that was in scripture. It's not, that's Patrick, all right? All right, this was, my favorite, this was my favorite speech when I was in high school. Uh, forgive me for quoting this movie because it's not a very godly movie, but it has a great speech in it. Uh, and I was in high school with a mullet and anything went back then. And it said this, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live, at least for a while. Dying in your beds many years from now. You guys know this one? Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Anyway, that was my favorite in high school. Favorite speech, little William Wallace. I'm sure it's not historical, but it was great in the movie. Um, Great speech. Here's a speech that Renata and I give um, many nights in our home. Let's get these dishes done fast tonight. (laughs) End of speech. Like... Like, I feel like William Wallace every night, as you look at cleaning the dishes every night. And I was thinking about, um, you kind of give orders, and you look at everybody, and you go, all right. And we have kitchen chores, so everybody has their assigned role. You're the table clearer. You are the dishwasher loader. You are the counter wiper. Everybody's got a role, right? You are the dish rinser. And you make it, the rolls clear. All you got to do is obey. And here's what you don't want. You you look at them and in your heart, you're saying, don't be the screen watcher. Don't be the bathroom goer. Because everybody's got a kid like that. They just got to go to the bathroom right then, right? Just whatever. I know you've got a long day. Don't be the nap taker. 
Don't be the homework doer. I thought I got to do my homework, except for right now in these 25 minutes where we're going to do the dishes together and you rally the family together and you have this speech where you go, we've got a cause. So Patrick's got like this battle, this game time speech. Wallace has got a battle time speech. David's got a dish speech. My, how the mighty have fallen. But that's kind of my war cry. Let's get these dishes done. I was thinking about just wanting this moment to be fresh in us, where Jesus, post-resurrection, pre-ascension, gives a little speech that really turns the world upside down. Acts 17, it was said about these disciples that they're, they've turned the world upside down. So it's Jesus that's done it. He's used these disciples. There is this speech, and I want to highlight this speech this morning, that it might be fresh as we do something that we've done for a long time. Sometimes when you do something over and over and over and over, it ceases to be special because you've done it so much. So we got to come back together again and say, this is special, even though it's not new knowledge. You've known this for a long time, so it's not necessarily, it's necessarily revelatory, but it is still a delight. It's still a privilege to be a part of the Great Commission. It's still a joy, and that's what I want for us. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and for him, it's the family meeting. It's the family speech, or the battle speech, or the pregame speech before the book of Acts, where he sits or stands with these disciples and gives this statement, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely, I'm with you to the end. He's giving this, this cause, this speech, this battle cry moment, this pregame rally, this get the job done, do the task I've called you to do. Renata always calls our church a great commission church. So sometimes people will say, what kind of church is your church? And, uh, and especially when we first started, and, and you didn't really know how to answer that because as a church, as a local church, you're committed to doing everything. You're committed to being a radiant light. So we do we, we, uh, salvation, and we're committed to the lost, and we're committed to make disciples. We're committed to prayer, and we're committed to empowering people in their spiritual gifts. We're committed to, to reaching the nations. We're committed to touching our nation. We're committed to all these things. And so people, but, and then people say, yeah, 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 yeah. But what kind of church are you really? And then you're just looking at them baffled like, I don't know what you mean. But I remember Renata sitting at coffee shops had this phrase. I don't know where she got it, but she would just say, we're a great commission church. And, 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 and this was like, we're, we're on mission. Like we're going to fulfill what Jesus called us to do. And I, I, I'm just taking a line from Renata's speech today, sitting at Starbucks. We're a great commission church. And on our five-year anniversary, I just want to remind us this is who we are. And I was thinking about this moment where Jesus looks at these disciples because I feel like in pastoring this church for five years, sometimes I feel like people look at you and they're like, I'll do Sundays, I'll do, I'll do salvation from Christ, but I don't necessarily want to do ministry for Christ. It's too hard. And I'm not trying to be mean right there. I just want to say, I feel like sometimes that gets in us. I feel like we want to say, I'll, I'll, I'll take salvation. I love that. Grateful for that. Sing the song. I, I, I thank God. So, you know, parents' generation said, amazing grace. Or, that's not how it goes. Amazing grace. That's how it goes. I think that was Gilligan's Island. <laughs> amazing grace, how sweet this sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. as blind, but now I see. Uh, Isaac Watts. Amazing. Anyway, we say, I thank God, right? Either way. But you'll go there. I'll sing about salvation. But I don't know that I want to, enjoy, I want to engage in the, the, the messiness of ministry. That's hard. 
That's challenging. And I want to just encourage us today, even in your brokenness, even in your discouragement, and even in your imperfection, I want to invite you to take a step into ministry. I want to, take you, I want to invite you to take a step towards your calling. So it's not, something, it's not something that I want you to do. I want you to ask God what he wants you to do. What does it look like for you? Is he calling you to serve? Is he calling you to pray? Is he calling you to give? Is he calling you to disciple? Is he calling you to help teenagers? Is he calling you to help young adults? Is he calling you to disciple women? Is he calling you to be a preacher? Is he calling, what's he calling you to do? What does it look like to play your part in the Great Commission? What does it look like for you to play out that role? And I just, I was intrigued by this phrase, here's the disciples, and it says some doubted. Like, imagine disciples, you've seen miracles. I don't know which disciples doubted. Matthew doesn't give us that. But you've got some doubt. Post-resurrection, pre-ascension, Jesus gathers for a meeting on the mountain about ministry, and he's got some people that are doubting, and it doesn't stop him from still giving the Great Commission. He still looks at doubting people, some broken people. Not all, but some. It's that phrase, some. But I'm encouraged by the some, because it's easy for me to live with the some. David, you can't doubt. You're the pastor. Well, you and I know that oftentimes we're in a spiritual battle, and it's easy to go, God, I'm not sure that I can do this. I'm not sure that you're going to come through. I'm not sure that I should hand out this magazine on Sunday and have a boat on stage. uh, Right? Like we all go through. And here Jesus looks at some, some disciples. And even in the midst of that doubt, and you look at these people and they're imperfect people that Jesus is empowering to go do the work of the ministry. Peter ain't perfect. Peter just denied Jesus. And we've got the stories of denying, going fishing. James and John have fought about who's going to be the greatest. Thomas has had doubts. He's not looking at perfect people and saying, now that you're perfect, go and make disciples. He says, all right, Peter, brother, you got some issues. I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. All right, feed my sheep. Let's go, Great Commission. Whoa. Doesn't Peter need to go through like some kind of like class? <laughs> oh, oh, next steps, find freedom class. Still imperfect. I want you to go. I got Acts 2. I need you to preach. Me? Yeah, you. Little Acts 3. Need you to heal a guy. Me? Yeah. Little Acts 4. I want you to suffer a little bit. Go to me. Yeah, I'm going to use you. And I just want to invite you. I remember one time a lady saying to me, um, we saw this little move of God. I shouldn't say lady. I mean, you know, you're young adults, but we were seeing this little move. I guess you can be a lady in your, sorry. Um, (laughs) When I was a young adult and I just remember, you know, in college and I remember this lady, I was talking about all that God was doing. And she said, I don't think that we should keep uh, inviting lost people until we fix all of our issues and we weren't even a church. We were just like a little youth group, small group, young adult group. And, and, and that was really kind of her, her, her thought process. Until we're all okay, then we bring other people in. I just want to invite you, in the midst of whatever issues you got, to live on mission with Jesus and let their salvation, 
They're coming to faith. They're becoming disciples. Be such a burden inside of you that your own brokenness isn't the reason why you halt and stop. You're going. You're on mission with Jesus. And then the second thing I just want you to see is this. I'm going to preach short today because we talked so long and the video is long. But it says this, Jesus, uh, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. I just want you to see that it's a command. And I feel like I can say this, and it's kind of like Mary Poppins, just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. For me today, it's just some merch and a little bit of free lattes helps the medicine go down. Okay, listen to this. It's, it's, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. Sometimes in America, we take it as a great suggestion because we're Americans. Nobody can tell me what to do. Like, you can't. I ain't listening to you, right? Unless it's God, unless it's the king of the ages, unless it's Jesus Christ who says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So I want to invite you just to take that before the Lord again and say, God, not, not what do I feel like doing? What have you commanded me to do? What does it look like for me to obey what, what, what would it look like for me to make disciples? How have you called me to make disciples? You kind of got three ideas there. The going, the baptizing, teaching them to obey all. Who are the people that I'm going into their lives? That I'm literally jumping in the tank with David or Nathan and seeing them baptized because they made a confession of faith. And then maybe I'm even starting a small group walking with them. You know, like, it's one of the things I love is when we see that progression. I'm going to pick on Katie Reed. Katie Reed, though, she's, she's got stories of talking to people about Jesus at the gym. Them talking, their excitement about her being a part of their baptism and celebrating because of what God did. And then joining Katie's small group. Just, that's pretty cool. That, like, that's a cool progression. That's a great commission. That's a pa-pam, pa-pam, pa-pam. It's three steps. That's a make disciples banner with pa-pam, pa-pam, pa-pam. So it's just you with proper names instead of philosophical ideas. Who are, that sounds like Mr. Rogers, who are the people in your neighborhood? It's who are the people in your discipleship? I'm making this up as I go. Uh, who are the people that are in that discipleship pipeline, right? Who are the people that you're able to say, I think Jesus has used me to help that person come to faith, that person be baptized, that person jump into, I'm discipling them, or I'm helping them take a step into a discipleship group, a small group of some kind. I think sometimes we like to just dream about um, every consumer item, but I just want to invite you to ask Jesus what he's commanded you to do. So you got a dream for weight loss, and you got a dream for financial retirement, and you got a dream for your house, and dream for your vacations, and I got a dream for all those things. I'm not putting all those things down. We, we all have you know, some degree where we're thinking about all those things, but I want to invite you to have, Jesus didn't give you a command about all those things. He gave you a command, make disciples, and it's pretty specific. So it's not what's, what is Pastor David commanding. It's just, what is Jesus saying? And I want to invite you to just try to take that shift from, because you live in a consumer culture, you tend to, I tend, we all tend to take the great commission and turn it into a consumer idea. And I want to invite you to just go, all right, what have you, what are you commanding me to do? 
And he's probably commanding us to do more than we think. Like the king who rules the kingdom really is king. He's, he really has commands. And he's, he probably really will lead us. And I want to invite you just to ask Jesus. And then I love this phrase, and this is the Great Commission uh, phrase line that we love to highlight, especially as Holy Spirit people. And surely I'm with you always to the end of time. Or lo, I'm with you always. It's that I'm with you. So that, that Holy Spirit, presence-driven, God-empowered, God with us, God helping me live on mission, fulfilling the Great Commission to where you transition to where this is what I love. So, so it's Jesus says, I have all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Woo! Big statement. So Jesus has all authority. And then because of that, I'm his disciple. And I go do these things in his name because not my authority. It's his authority. It's my availability. Here I am. God, what do you want me to do? It's, it's, it's not even, it's not even kind of my options, kind of what I want. It actually is your Lord of all. You can have everything, every minute, every relationship, every dollar belongs to you. What do you want to do? And it actually transitions into a privilege. Like actually when you read Acts and you read the way the disciples start to talk as they carry out the great commission in the book of Acts, you see that their mindset is not duty, it's delight. They actually go and suffer and say, we count it a privilege to suffer. How do you get there? I was thinking about Peter specifically and that moment where in Acts chapter two, he stands and preaches. And when Jesus has given, go into the world, make disciples of all nations. I just wonder, and then some verses preach the gospel or declare it, proclaim it. I just, I wonder if Peter's remembering Jesus preaching. And he's like, it's, it's my turn. Now, I'm, now, now it's my turn to declare. And Jesus, he trained me. He set me up for this. And here I go, and I'm going to preach it. Bring that Acts 2 message that brings that Acts 2 revival. Was, or, or you've got in Acts 3 the moment where the lame man says to him, hey, heal, or money. And you've got the response Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I was just thinking if Peter's got the memory of the Mark 2 story where Jesus heals the lame man. I think I've seen this before, so now I've got the strength to do. It's, it's my turn. Stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. I've seen Jesus do this before. It's my turn. It's my opportunity. It's my privilege. Maybe the moment as you go into Acts 4 where they go to prison and there's the confrontation with Jewish leaders that come against him. And Peter doesn't cower this time. Servant girls, yeah. Now it's his turn to do what he saw Jesus do. He saw Jesus look at Jewish leaders and say, blind guys, brood of vipers. You know, Jesus, he saw plenty of moments where Jesus was able to, with courage, stand up to Jewish leaders. And this time, Peter says, salvation is found in Christ alone. And that moment where he's stepping into calling with courage, he's, he's do, it's his privilege, his opportunity, his turn. And he wouldn't go back and trade it. 
this is, this is his moment. When we were um, first starting Radiant, I was sitting at Panera, 135th and Metcalf, and a pastor who had pastored in Kansas City posted on my Facebook wall, David, so excited about the future church plant in Kansas City. Um, something like, I've loved my years of pastoring in Kansas City. And then he put this phrase that became, for me, a part of my prayer time, that now it's kind of become something that we say, because he said this, it's your turn to point Kansas City to the king. And here's what I felt the Holy Spirit said to me. You're not better. It's just your turn. It's not that Sometimes it's easy for us to try to highlight, here's what, because we live in a consumer society, here's what our church is. No, no, no. It's different. No, 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 no. All of us working together, generation after generation, all united. I mean, the last generation, all, it's just our turn. And we've got a little window of time as a church. You've got a little bit of time, 75, 80, 85, 90 years on planet Earth. And it's not that you're better. It's just your turn. It's your, it's your, it's, if you're my age, it's your decade to live in your 40s. If you're in your 20s, it's your decade to live as a follower of Jesus in your 20s. If you're in your 70s, man, this is the year, decade, to invest in younger people and make a difference. If you're in your 80s, come on, help out somebody younger than you, right? It's, this is it. It's your turn. And I'm looking at, at the disciples and I'm going, it's, it's their turn. But here's, here's what I worry about. Here's what I, what I sense sometimes. Is that David's so great when I heard that when I was 16. I heard that at a youth camp. David's so great when I got saved. And I saw God do that in my 20s. Saw something. And when years turn to decades, over time, it's easy to transition and just have a spirituality that's about me rather than others. Just have a Christianity where ministry is too hard. People are messy. I'm going to punt on ministry and just put my favorite worship songs on Spotify, have my own devotional Bible, and, 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 and do my own, my, 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 just me and Jesus. Listen, I love the devotional life. We just came out of 21 days where we beat the drum, spend time alone with God. I want to invite you to that, but not only that. I want to invite you to ask God what it looks like for you to be a person marked by ministry, fulfilling the ministry mandate on your life. Every member, a minister. What has God called you to do? Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the disciples had moments where they just thought, this is hard. This is rough. In Matthew 4, Jesus calls, invites these fishermen to follow him. And then that's Matthew 4, 19. And then just listen to the next little text right there. There's next verses. Listen to, listen to all that goes on. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, who suffered severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them all. I just want you to see the mess of humanity that immediately is a part of the disciples' lives. Like, no question, all of a sudden they're dealing with people who are paralyzed, seizures, demon possession, severe pain, 
various diseases, all diseases, sickness. That's a lot. And if you're a dude that's used to being a fisherman out on the sea, and you're dealing with just fish, and now you're dealing with these people, and you're going to be a fisher of men, I think there's probably a moment where Peter, James, and John, and Andrew are like, hold on a minute. This is messy. This is hard. This isn't easy. And I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you that undoubtedly for all of us, engaging in ministry is going to be hard. And I think that there's going to be moments where you're like, I think I just want to go back to something easier. Just for the disciples, it would have been for these fishermen to go back to fishing. Like there's actually a moment where Peter says in John 21, where he goes, after Jesus dies on the cross, he's got the famous John 21 moment where he says, I'm just going to, I'm going fishing. And then all the disciples said, we'll go with you. Bible scholars differ on if he was saying, I'm just going to go for a leisurely fishing trip. Or if he was saying, I want to go make some money and work through the night. Or if he was saying, I'm going to go back to my former occupation. And they all debate it. Everybody's got theories on it. (laughs) It's my pulpit today. Here's what I think. I think that there's a moment where Peter's going, I just, I don't know if it's through the night or if it's permanent, but I think there's a moment where he goes, it's just a little bit easier to just go back out on the water and not have to deal with all of this. I just want to get away. I don't want to deal with the leaders. I don't want to deal with the people that sin. I don't want to deal with the pain. I just want to be me, me and Jesus. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll make my living, sit in my chair, do my thing. But I ain't doing ministry, baby. Those people were mean. That small group was cray cray. That prayer meeting had people doing jumping jacks. That kid leading worship jumps up and down. Looks like young vanilla ice. I like people that don't jump up and down. I got a reason. Video's too long. You pick it. Here's what I invite you to this. There's no question. There's no question ministry is going to always be messy. Like fundamentally it is. Like you look at what the life that the disciples had dealing with people. And actually when you read Acts, it actually gets worse. Because they actually go into martyrdom, except for John. They actually go into suffering and pain. And somehow in America, it's, it's become possible for us to transition our lives where I don't have to deal with people. But Jesus is constantly getting involved with people. Like ministry is involvement. You got to be around the mess to make a difference. You can't make a difference by yourself. You got to be with people. And Jesus will walk up. Hey, guys, let the children come unto me. I'm all in. I'm involved. Hey, Zacchaeus, come into your house. Hey, who touched me? I want to know your story. Hey, Jairus. I'll pray for her. I'll come to your house. Hey, what do you want? Keep coming. Keep asking. I'll I'll heal your demon-possessed daughter. Jesus isn't getting uninvolved. He's getting more and more involved. He's taking a step towards broken people. And And then he charges his disciples to take steps 
towards broken people. And America, it's easy to figure out a way to just go, I'll tell you how I do evangelism. I just share it on Facebook. Done. I'm out. I think that's good, but it's not enough. I'll tell you what I do. I, I've, I, we, we figure out ways to not have to deal with people. But I just want you to go back and ask Jesus, not ask David, not take a sermon. I just want you to not even take the principle. I just want you to ask God, who are the people? Who's in my world? Where could I take a step towards the broken? How could I disciple a broken teenager? Who's the one? Who's the few? Who's the many? Who are the ladies that are needing help in their marriages that have only been going on for five years and they've got little kids and they're just so, so hurting? Who are the, who are the older men in our church that feel lonely that I could go and go visit them and help them? Who, who are the people just, it's just, it's just the scriptures. It's just what Jesus, it's the good Samaritan. It's just all through the scriptures, taking steps toward the broken at Radiant. We're doing the best we can to try to create ways for you to lead a small group, jump on a team, serve, lead a prayer meeting, be in a prayer meeting. We're headed in the future to missions trips around the world. We're gonna do all we can to help you in the process. But you're the one that has to take the step. You're the one that has to go, God, where are you leading me? And I believe if we'll keep taking steps, getting out of our boat over and over again, I'm not going back to the boat. I'm not going back to what I used to know. Jesus, you've called me. I got, I've got axe in front of me, the boat behind me. I'm not going back but America calls you back because everybody wants to make a dollar off your comfort. But the, but the Christian way is not the comfortable way. We want great comfort, but Jesus wants great commission. He wants you all in. And then you'll find in the middle of the great commission that supernaturally he is the comforter that supplies far more supernaturally than any commodity could ever give you. Everybody said amen. 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 All right, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. And I just pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us. Help us. We want to take steps towards the broken, the hurting, those who have never heard, those who are confused and tired, those who believe other things. We want to love well the atheist, the agnostic. We want to serve well the lukewarm, the angry, and the bitter. We want to love the people that in our day are hard to love. Not for our glory, but for yours. We want to be conduits of your kindness to the hurting. Come, Holy Spirit, help us. We need your strength. Left to our own strength, we will fall short. But supernaturally filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can go into all the world and make disciples. And so we'll go into the world of Olathe, the world of Overland Park, the world of Grandview, the world of Lee Summit, all the places in the world of Leewood, into the world of education, we'll go into the world of medical care, go into the world of business, we'll go into the world of 
goods and services. We'll go into all of our world and take the good news of Jesus. Father, I pray right now for Radiant, every man, every woman, every teenager, every child. And oh God, would you strengthen them with might in their inner man when they feel like it's so hard. I pray that they would experience the supernatural indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit where it's a joy to carry out the ministry mandate on their lives. Strengthen them with might. Bless them, I pray. Encourage and strengthen the weary today. Not a song, not a latte, not a sermon. God himself giving supernatural might, supernatural power to those who feel tired and weary. May we, for decades to come, be a radiant church that lights up a city.